Thank you, Ms. Velma. At this time, it's an honor and a privilege to have Reverend Jody Radcliffe here, pastor of the church at West Vista. And um, Joe, you just come and bring whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Thank you. Well, good morning, church. I love the uh, worship song that just reminded us about the power of Christ in us and and the fact that sin no longer has its power over us. We have the power to say no to sin. And that's a wonderful thing that Christ did for us. Um, The last time I was probably here, at least here on this stage at this microphone, I was probably about 18 years old. And now I'm 40, so that's about 22 years in between there. And um, we'll fill in the gaps a little bit this morning for you in those 22 years. God has been wonderful and a lot of great things uh, in my life. And I want to say that anytime you may hear me today talk about my life or what God did for me and my friends, uh, that is all under the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing that he saves and he transforms us. Miss Nell Pearson this morning has already threatened to tell stories about me. So I'm not going to let her do that because she knew me before I knew Christ. Okay? And uh, I was here for a year or so before I knew Christ. But I was here after Christ saved me and my friends and uh, saw him do a lot of wonderful things. And so praise the Lord that you have seen uh, transformation happen here through the ministries of Hermitage Baptist Church. Uh, I want to take some time just to share it's good to be home. Uh, Camden is my home. I was born and raised here, and I love Camden. I'm excited to always come to Camden and hang out with my dad and my cousin and my uncle. Probably some of the most uh, popular guys in Camden, Chris Radcliffe, Joe Radcliffe. Y'all all know them. I know you do. Um, they should run for offices and things like that because they get unanimous votes and, and hold offices and things. Uh, very popular guys, very fun guys. Uh, my Uncle Doug Ratcliffe, just a hoot to hang out with. You can drive past McDonald's on most days and maybe see uh, my dad and my uncle on the front porch rocking and talking about people. It's fun times, man. Love Camden. Uh, left here in 1994 and went to North Greenville University and graduated there in 98 uh, with my, my Bible degree. I met my wife, Melanie. My family's here. Melanie's my wife, my three children, Michaela, Leah, and Aiden, all right here in the middle, Uh, almost practically teenagers now. Um, Went on to Southern Seminary, uh, graduated in 2011 with my master's degree in missions, evangelism, and church planting. I served at the First Baptist Church of West Columbia for eight years. Uh, Four prior to that, um, there was some uh, missionary service with the IMB in the middle there. We uh, went and served... uh, to share the gospel with Russian university students for three years. I had a wonderful time there, and the International Mission Board is a wonderful, wonderful company to be a part of. Uh, Currently, I'm the lead pastor of the church at West Vista. It's a new church plant in the Midlands area, and um, tonight is a special day. We kick off our weekly worship services tonight. We've been meeting since January, and um, in house churches, we're a house church network, and so we meet in several different homes during the week, and then gather on Sundays for worship and a little bit of preaching. So tonight launches our weekly worship gathering time. We've been worshiping once a month to, to try to get good at it because it takes a lot, of, a lot of work and coordination. And me, my youth minister, neither one of us are musically inclined, so we have to work really hard to get that together. So be praying for us, if you will, tonight for our, our service in West Vista. Um, just to start things off, this building was a lot bigger to me when I was little, um, and uh, even this step up here seemed huge when I was, when I was even a teenager, this step seemed huge right here. Now, this is the same pulpit, right, that was here. Uh, I was here when Tim Williams was preaching, 
And uh, so this was Tim's pulpit, and uh, it's a great honor to be here, uh, to stand here in the place that many other of your pastors and ministers have stood and spoken from here. I uh, do not take that lightly today. Uh, back in the early 90s, there was a tremendous move of God on me and my friends. And a lot of us had earlier ties to Hermitage Baptist Church. We had come to preschool here. Uh, we had about a year or so uh, in middle school that we came. Um, but God really touched our lives and brought us here for our spiritual training. And there's a lot of reasons why you were the church to house us and prepare us for our Christian journey. And, and while we're together, I want to share with you, uh, just looking back on the reasons why I think this was just a wonderful uh, place for us as teenagers to, have, to God have sent us here to help us grow in our faith and our Christian ministry. Uh, so while we're together, I want to look back a little bit and also look forward and share with you some things that I have experienced in my ministry and some things that I'm experiencing now starting a church uh, things that may help you as you look forward to what's ahead for you. So a little bit of looking back and a little bit of looking forward as we are uh, here together. But let me just start with why Hermitage Baptist Church was the place where God brought uh, me and my friends uh, back in the early to mid-90s. I want to start off by saying that the environment of Hermitage was good soil. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23, uh, Jesus tells a story about uh, sowing seeds and, and how seeds fall on different types of ground. And there's some ground that's not good for growth. There's some ground that just chokes out growth. But there's that good soil where when the seed hits, it just grows. And, and that seed becomes something great. And, and the, actual, the, the, the direction of that parable was the gospel being planted in people's lives. But I take that good soil, and churches can have good soil. And churches can also have bad soil where growth is prohibited and, and growth is governed and growth is controlled. But Hermitage, in our experience at that time, it was very good soil for developing young Christian leaders. We sat under the ministry of Tim Williams, and Tim Williams gave some wonderful sermons. In fact, I've still got notes from then that I look back on. Um, we had a guy named Willard Merrill. Do y'all know Willard Merrill? Remember Willard? Okay, Willard Merrill, for some reason, he just adopted us as a youth group and loved us. And he had this one song he would sing called The Highest Praise. Y'all remember The Highest Praise? Willard would sing that and eventually would dedicate that to us. Uh, but Willard was a wonderful guy, a uh, wonderful example of a Christian man. And other men in this church are wonderful examples of Christian men for us. Um, you welcomed us. This is really important. You welcomed us. Uh, there were times when we may have looked weird or brought weird people with us here. There were times we were loud and we were just simply being teenagers. Um, but you opened your arms and, and you let us in. And you let us be who we were. And you were very patient, I'm sure, at times to let us do that. But you welcomed us. We didn't know a lot of names at the time. So we had, um, we had nicknames for some people. Um, because, you know, teenagers, they're so busy, and they're all in their own little world. And so there were some nicknames we had for folks. I want to share some of those with you, okay? Maybe you might remember who they are. Um, <laughs> there was one, one guy that we called Ivan, okay, because he looked like, to us, Ivan Koloff, the wrestler. And we called him Ivan. There was uh, one man we called Tower who was very tall in the choir. Do you all know who that might be? Marshall's right here. Yep. <laughs> 
Before we knew your name was Marshall Young, Mr. Young, we called you Tower. We said, look at Tower, he's here today. <laughs> that was a lot of Chuck Hall, okay? A lot of Chuck Hall, if you don't like that. that was... There you go, man. <laughs> uh, we had a guy we called Music Man. Music Man ran the soundboard back there. We didn't know Music Man's name. Uh, I think it's Keith Hancock now, looking back. But we called him Music Man because he ran the music. Uh, there were a couple of guys in the choir that reminded us of the Statler Brothers, and we just called them the Statler Brothers. Didn't know who their, what their names were, but they were the Statler Brothers. And they sang like the Statler Brothers as well, too. So we had fun. We really did. Uh, you were happy we were here. Some churches look at children and youth, and they're just like, well, you know, we're kind of just shoulder this burden for a little while. We'll put up with them. Um, you know, we'll just deal with it and hope they behave in things. But, you know, with children and teenagers, they're not going to be adults. They're, they're not going to behave. Um, but you were happy we were here. It showed on your faces, you smiled, you encouraged us. Uh, you always had volunteers to sit with us, take us places, play with us, do things with us. If I were to name all the volunteers, I would forget some because we had probably at, at times like eight to ten adults that came alongside us and walked with us and at times just let us kind of do our thing um, and just sat back. They would take us to the skating rink, take us to pool parties and things like that. Uh, you gave us rooms here in the building to call our own. You gave us a youth room, and we could do with it what we wanted to. We could put posters up. We could set it up like we wanted to. Do you see how there's that lack of control allowed us to grow, allowed us to, to, to almost start owning Christian service and owning church work, um, almost just owning Christianity at that young age because we knew we were the future. We knew we had to take this on to our peers and, and, and to our school and our neighborhoods but you gave us a place to come and grow and mature in our faith, and it was, it was really wonderful. Uh, at one particular pool party we had, there was a youth leader named Kenny Bryce, and I don't know if y'all remember Kenny Bryce. Uh, his son went on to sing in country music, Lee Bryce, I think, right? Okay, so I knew Lee when he was little, little guy. Went rafting with, with Lee and Kenny. So Kenny Bryce, one time at a pool party, um, we had a little uh, weight machine, and uh, I was working out at the time. I was like 18, and I remember bench pressing more than Kenny Bryce, and Kenny's like a grown man. So I'm like showing up Kenny on the bench press, and then Kenny says, come over here for a second. Let's arm wrestle. I was like, sure, man. I just bench press more than you. I can arm wrestle you. So we get into the pool party, and, and Kenny just goes up there and just kind of just, just kills me arm wrestling, just annihilates me in front of my girlfriend, in front of the, all the other youth that were there, and I was the laughing stock of that event. Um, but that was just some fun that we had uh, together. Because of your openness, um, God equipped lots of us for, for church work. And when I say church work, I mean like gospel progress. I mean like we left here and we got right in the middle of, of serving on teams, serving in churches, uh, sharing our faith all over the place. And we would always look back and say Hermitage was the place that prepared us for this. Uh, just a few names of people you may remember. Uh, Neil Smith came here during his senior year of high school. Neil is the associate pastor of families at uh, First Baptist Batesburg. Uh, Chuck Hall, you may remember Chuck Hall, uh, went on to be a counselor at a boy's home uh, to serve uh, as a layperson in several churches. Uh, Chuck just baptized uh, one of his uh, students that he mentored this past year. He's a middle school teacher, so a middle school teacher. We know what Chuck was like in middle school. It's a complete miracle <laughs> to come back around and be a middle school teacher, okay? Um, Bobby Coulter. Uh, Bobby has served in 
basically what is a church plant in West Columbia for about seven, eight, nine, ten or longer years, serving in different capacities, uh, hosting a home group in his home for many years. Uh, Scott Cato went on to be the pastor at Slater Baptist Church, and Scott Cato has revived Slater Baptist Church through the Holy Spirit's work in him. Uh, Scott is being asked to teach and lead uh, classes on a state level on how to bring revival, true revival, to um, dead and dying churches. And Scott came through our ministry here. Troy Ferris was a friend of ours. Troy Ferris is now a Christian counselor after serving in the Marines. And then there are lots of other names of people I know. I can't name all of them. These are the folks I kind of hang with. But um, other people who've served in and are serving in various roles in various churches as lay leaders. And I'll tell you what, being a lay leader is where it's at. God calls one pastor, maybe two, um, a youth pastor, God calls a lot more volunteers into a church, and it takes a lot of volunteers and lay leaders to get everything done. And so if you serve as a lay leader, keep doing what you're doing uh, because you're making things work out. You really are. So we are um, grateful to have seen lots of salvations occur in this church building, in this church fellowship. All the folks I named were around this time being transformed by the Lord and regenerated and just made new and made new creations by the Lord with the ministries of your church. And then many after that were also um, being made new. So you look back and you say, God, we, we didn't deserve this outpouring of your spirit. We didn't do anything to deserve it. Like we as people were, you know, we we're just rotten sinners and, and we all still are sinners. But you look at God's grace and you say, wow, the timing of that, the equipping of the saints that took place uh, was very, very special to us. I want to read a passage from the book of Joel, uh, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. Um, my encouragement is to keep this same attitude towards young people today. All these things that I just mentioned that were done for us, make sure that you're still doing those things because they make a huge, huge difference. If a teenager does not feel welcomed in a church, most likely he will not go to another church to be welcomed. He will think they're all like that, and he'll just stop going all together. And so for you to have the, the gospel continually available to children and youth, go ahead and do all the things I just mentioned. Just keep doing those things. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29 is a prophecy about when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all mankind. This, this came at Pentecost in New Testament. Before this, the Holy Spirit was not a thing that we all shared together. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come down on people for certain tasks, for certain reasons, for certain anointings. Then he would leave them. He was like an equipping person. Then he would go away. Um, people would have to invite him in and, and do things to nurture that relationship with him. Um, Jesus came, brought the kingdom of God, said the kingdom of God is near, it's here, I'm bringing it, it's here. And with that, the Holy Spirit that all of us share now. So it's our gift post-salvation. We have the Spirit to guide us, comfort us, give us wisdom, take care of us. Uh, that's what he does. He's just a mediator, he's a counselor, all these things. So in Joel, what you're going to see is a prophecy about the New Testament. And Joel saw this from the Lord and, and shared this with us. And he says, I will, this is the Lord speaking, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my spirit in those days. 
your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Who are they talking about? Joel is talking about young people. He's talking about teenagers. He's talking about young adults. So if you're a teenager in here, you're going to love this. Okay, you're going to love this because this is about you, all right? Guess who's going to take Christianity into the next decade? You are. Guess who holds the keys to Christianity? You do. The older that we get, the less and less influence we have, the less and less places we're able to go. But when you're a teenager, the world is wide open to you. And God comforts us by saying, look, don't worry about it. Your sons and daughters are going to preach and share and witness. Your young men, they don't need to try to figure out what the kingdom is going to look like. God is going to give them the vision to lead the kingdom forward. He's going to give them visions. Our old men are going to dream dreams. Okay? They're going to remember how great it was, and they're going to bestow upon them how great it was and how great God is. Our senior adults are going to tell our young people, it's worth it. Jesus is worth it. Live for him. Serve him. Walk with him. Building the church is worth it because a lot of you have built up the church and served in the church. Your old men will bestow their stories and their dreams upon the young men, and the young men will receive the vision, and the young men and the sons and daughters will complete the vision. We can trust our youth of today to take Christianity into tomorrow. They can handle it, and they will do very, very well. We have to hold the door open for them. We have to pass the torch to them. We have to pass the baton to them. The longer we hold on to it and restrict them, the harder it's going to be for the entire church moving forward. So whatever it takes to begin mentoring, to begin allowing, to begin welcoming, we have to do those things. I never thought I would see a day when such issues as uh, homosexual marriage would, would be a thing. When I was a teenager here at Hermitage, you know, we would joke about things like that. It was funny. It wasn't like real or reality. Uh, and then a few years ago, we see things like homosexual marriage be, becoming a law and a reality. And my generation, we're like, what do we do? Like, we don't know how to minister in that environment. Like, we don't know what to say because we've always just kind of joked and laughed and kind of brushed it off. But now it's a reality. And any of us older than me, like, we're kind of going, hmm, well, we can't just say, you're wrong, stop. Okay? That's not relational. Like, that won't get you anywhere in sharing the gospel with somebody. So what do we do? Well, the teenagers of today... Man, this is their reality. They're already wrestling with this. They're already in it. They're thinking about, you know, they're processing this spiritually, making sense of this, wanting to love and also wanting to, to, to share the truth at the same time. So whereas we may be limited, what they have is, is almost in a lot of ways very unlimited in their walk with Christ, and they'll do very well with that. Looking at my friends now, we are all out in the field. We're working, working well because of your uh, past assistance for us. For the teenagers now, let them fail, be understanding of them, guide them, be patient. Um, you do have to watch over them. It's not like I'm saying just let them have a free-for-all. We always had adults with us, always guiding us. We had some good youth pastors that were there with us. My senior year of high school was incredible because 
I look back and I say, when did I start ministry? And I'll say I started ministry my senior year of high school because it was a year without a youth pastor. And me and, and Chuck, uh, Jason Hall, went to Pastor Tim and just said, Pastor Tim, could we maybe put together a youth ministry and Wednesday nights, can we teach it and kind of share that responsibility? And we have like 12 or 15 of our friends who want to be here, but there's nothing. And, uh, and Tim said, go ahead and do that. Just make sure you have one or two adults with you so everything's safe and all. And so my senior year, you know, we had the privilege of, of creating, organizing, and, and leading a youth ministry here for that year. And so I look back and say, that's when our ministry started was in 1994. And so we had a leadership that was, was okay with that. So, so looking back, that's why in a lot of ways you were very good soil for Christian equipping. And I say, still be good soil. Still be good soil. And watch God do this again and again. And now looking forward, though, it's homecoming, so I want to honor the past and also look ahead and say, what are the next 96 years going to look like for us? Looking forward. Uh, times have changed a lot. One reason why I planted a church was because I saw how hard it was to, to change a lot of the, the practices and just the core um, systems that we have in some of our more traditional churches. And I found it harder to, to do things that were, were different from the way we've maybe done things for the last 40 or 50 years or so. Things that worked and did wonderful for years, but the culture has shifted so much. And, and, and everything has changed. There used to be a time where we could open the doors at, at, at 11 o'clock on a Sunday and people would show up. They just knew, I'm going to go to church. And we know now, y'all, that people just don't go to church anymore. We need to go ahead and just um, be honest with ourselves, um, that this is a trend that's going the wrong way. We don't see churches really making the impact that they once made, um, and that's because of just so many factors going on. And I decided the best way to reach the millennials and, and the younger generations is just to kind of start over and try to do our very, very best to get the church just out there more. And so in all these changes, I've kind of found that one of our solutions that we must do is we must begin to take the church to the people rather than expect the people to come to us. We have to be less of an attractional type of ministry and more of a relational type of ministry. I want to read a passage from you uh, from the book of Acts. Uh, going back to the, the blueprint church, the very first church, to see how they did things. And how they did things may encourage us in how to do things moving forward. Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is called the Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. From where I stand and, and look out at the future of our church's ministries, I can with confidence let you know this. We're approaching a time where we must get stronger, smaller. Okay, stronger, smaller. 
not talking about being the very best small church we can be, but talking about creating groups that actually reach outside of your church walls, groups that meet in homes, groups that meet in schools, uh, groups that meet elsewhere than just the church building. I first witnessed this idea of small group ministry, house church ministry, whenever I was a missionary in Russia. The government itself could stop you from building churches. They could stop you from holding services in a church building already built, but they couldn't tell you what to do inside your own house or inside your own apartment. And so we began seeing apartment churches and house churches develop. And we began to see a lot of people who are far from the Lord and lost coming to those house churches because of the fellowship, the, the, the relationships that were going on there, the sacrifice that was going on there for each other, the care that was given in that small group. And that small group is very relational. Small groups can take the gospel to the neighborhood a lot better than a big church can. It's harder to get 150 people on one thing, but 12 or 15, you can actually do that. So when I share small groups, understand I'm not sharing from books I've read. I'm not sharing from the convention, maybe uh, putting some ideas out there in training. What I'm sharing with the churches I speak to and how I put together our church plant was based on house churches and small groups. And so I want to train churches to just get stronger and get smaller, reach out to their coworkers and their friends and their families, and bring them into that small relational group and you connect that group to, your, to your, your bigger church, absolutely, because like with my church groups, we, we get together on Wednesdays and, I mean, on Sundays, and we worship and we pray together and, we, and we, we share the word together. But we branch out into lots of different areas around town to get that done. And so the Blueprint Church here in Acts, this model church, this first church, um, was given to us as a great example to say, what are some ways we can adjust more to their example what we saw with them was numbers daily, right? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, that's not something I see happening in my life. I don't see daily this happening, but, man, do I want to. Don't you want to see that? Don't you want to see it? It's miraculous. I mean, I hear reports like this. I read articles where this is happening, and I go, why not me, Lord? I want to see this, too. I want to see our churches experience this as well, too. I don't want to just read about it. I want to do it. I want to see it happen. To see it happen, we have to go back to the example and say, what were they doing? All these key elements were in place. What may be different is that, man, they were taking care of each other. They, they went to places where lost people were and needy people were, and they shared their faith. They broke bread in their homes together. They were united. They had glad and sincere hearts. And it says they enjoyed, in verse 47, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And so what they were doing in their smaller groups, they were being such a blessing to the world outside that the world outside was impressed and the world outside saw God in them and came to join them because of, of that. And that's why you see this number added daily because they were just out there being Jesus all over the place. It was said you couldn't go to the market without bumping into a Christian so many times because they were just out sharing their faith. So daily finding the Lord is a reality. I'd like to pray for, for Hermitage Baptist Church. I'd like to pray for Hermitage as you look ahead to say how can we move from inside the walls to outside the walls and be this missionary who lives a life on mission all the time. 
We don't have to go to Africa and places like that, right? Because God has planted you where he wants you already. Think about that, right? He's planted you already where he wants you. So wherever you work, that's your mission field. Wherever you go to school, that's your mission field. Whoever your family is, that's, that's your mission field. The friends you hang out with, that's your mission field. We often overlook those circles of people, and we look forward to something way far out there that's unattainable. But I think God's planted us right here for a reason, to bless those who are around us now. So let me say thank you. Uh, thank you so much for your ministry to us uh, 22 so years ago. And I want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing and let the Word of God be your guide to teach you what needs to be done from here on out. I want to have a prayer before, as we go into our time of invitation. And I want to pray that God would just pour his spirit upon all of you, that God will give your old men dreams, give your young men your sons and your daughters' visions that they would in turn prophesy. Let's pray. Our dear Lord, how thankful we are that men have gone before us. We stand on their shoulders. Lord, we see ahead because they are lifting us up. Father, we thank you that you have poured your spirit out on generation after generation. And, Father, we ask you now to pour your spirit out upon our younger generation now. Lord God, that they would rise and stand up tall, that the word of God would be real, that you'd make yourself so real to them and equip them for the future. And, God, those of us who uh, have, have traveled this road, Lord, empower us to, to bless them, to smile at them and encourage them to hold the door open for them as they go out and they become the next wave of workers and servants and lay leaders. And, Father, I pray for Hermitage. God, I ask you to bless each family that's here today. Father God, may you bless the the lay leadership. May you bless our brother who leads us even today. Lord God, may you pour your spirit upon us all. And, God, may Hermitage be that lighthouse that reaches out to this great, wonderful city that we call home. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.